Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. You've heard that old adage, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You remember, some of you young people may not remember that, but growing up in the playground early uh, 70s or 80s, I remember that's what we used to say, sticks and stones may break my... And, and that was your way of saying, hey, you can throw rocks at me, you can throw sticks, but what you say isn't going to hurt me. Now, what we learned from David tonight is that that's not particularly true. You go, Ben, what do you mean? Sometimes words can hurt very much. They really can. Now, I know that sticks and stones can wound the outside. I understand that if somebody threw a, a, a rock at me it, it, and hit me, it would hurt. Or if they took a big stick, I mean, I, I understand that it would bruise, it would hurt. I would probably walk with the limp for a while. But I know words, they're a little bit different. You go, what do you mean? Well, they can wound us internally. They can wound us internally. And what we learn is that external wounds eventually heal. Oh, you're getting better. Oh, that okay, that bruise is looking good. But you know what? Internal wounds take a lot more time to heal. See, David brings it to the Lord so he can be healed and be set free. In other words, we have one or two choices. When it comes to internal wounds, somebody hurt us really bad, we can try to walk through it, spend time waiting, hoping, or we can do what David does and what David teaches us. And he teaches us to bring it to the Lord and bring it to the Lord. Listen, listen to this quote. Listen to this quote. I don't know this author. I haven't read any of her books, but... But I found this quote, and I thought it was really good. Her name is um, Nina Agilabu, and here's what she says. Quote, everyone keeps telling me that time heals all wounds, but no one can tell me what I'm supposed to do right now. Right now, I can't sleep. It's right now I can't eat. Right now, I still hear his voice and sense his presence, even though I know he's not here. Right now, all I seem to do is cry. All I... I know all the time and wounds healing, but even if I had all the time in the world, I still don't know what to do with this hurt right now, end quote. I thought that was a really good, it's like, yeah, I mean, okay. But then I looked at Psalm 5, and I saw that David gives us the remedy. You see, this author quotes, and there is a dilemma, what do I do about about the time. What do I do about right now? I understand it. Time heals all wounds. I don't have, I don't care if I had all the time. But David says, no, 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 no. Here's the remedy. It's for the here and now. And he goes, what is it? What's the remedy? Well, really simple. If you're taking note and you want to write in your Bible, it's, it's we need an audience with God. We need an audience with God. As a matter of fact, David only, uh, not only does David request Guys, the, the, the presence of the Lord, this psalm is actually, it's such a neat psalm. David's going, God, I want the Lord. See, see, here's what we need to understand. Psalm 4 
is considered an, a, a stringed instrument. This is a, we'll call it a Mel song, okay? We'll call it, because Mel likes to play the guitar. He can, and of course, Talia and, and everyone else. But, but, but Psalm 4 is set to string instruments. But here, this is actually set to flutes. It's a worship psalm. It's a great psalm. Now, think about this, okay? Put your thinking caps on for just a moment. If more of us would cry out to a merciful God who wants to hear from us, to desire a relationship like we see David having, earnestly seek after God instead of what we see around us, could we not see a change in our life like the change we see in David? Let let me say that again. You're, You're not getting it. You're not getting it. If we could just cry out to God, a God who wants to hear from us, a God who desires to dwell with us and in us, a God who desperately wants to be here with us, and we would seek after God instead of what is set around us, oh, oh, I can do this, I wonder if we could see that change. Oh, Pastor, I'm not sure why I come on Wednesday nights. I'm not sure why I come on. Because you're seeking a change. You're wanting to grow. You're wanting to be used by God like never before. And you guys know. You know what happens when you're not moving forward with God. Oh, I I got it, Pastor, I got it. We're at a standstill. You're not at a standstill. When we're not moving forward with God, you're actually moving back. You know it. You feel it. Oh, man, I knew we were doing so good with God. And then you find yourself so David does what he, he, he teaches us what we need to learn. You go, what's that? David needs the Lord's guidance and protection because his enemies, and in particular, these enemies, guess what they're doing? They're using their mouths to attack David. Remember, in Psalm 3, do you guys remember? They were, they were, the enemies were using sticks and stones, so to speak. And so they were trying to break David's bones, or worse. But in Psalm 5, they're not using sticks or stones. They're actually using words to hurt David. Words. Now, I want to point out here one thing. When we talk about a psalm being the psalm of David, we shouldn't immediately assume that the psalm was written by David when he was the king. You go, yeah, I get that. You see, for David was a king for a good part of his life, so any psalm he writes may well be from the period of that life. But he wasn't always a king. And any one of his psalms could have been written when he was a shepherd. I thought about that today. When he was a shepherd out looking at the stars and, and taking care of the sheep. What, what is David going to be? Well, I'm a shepherd. I'm a shepherd boy. Come on. And, and, and in, in, let me say this to you. Make sure that you're getting alone with God. Make sure that you were resting in God. Your creative juices flow so much better when you're at peace and you're at rest with God. And I could not, I couldn't even begin to tell you 
that we have some of the most amazing, I, I, don't, I don't even know how to tell you. If you would look at this person, you'd go, no. Yeah. We have some great, you realize that in our church, we have some great devotional writers. I mean, I'm talking God-inspired. You understand that. And by looking at people, you go, no, no. I'm going, yeah. And I just marvel at God. There's people in our church that can write poetry. And you would look at him and go, no way. And I wonder what amazing, hidden, beautiful, gracious, God-given talent he has in you. That's just waiting to come out. I wonder how many of you can write a song can write a poetry, can do a devotion, can write a devotion, can, can, can teach the Bible. You go, ah, that's, that's not me, that's not me. But see, God has given every one of you a gift and a talent, just like David. And David writes this psalm. Now, again, David might be stressing out at this time. I mean, I don't know why, but, but I know that words have hurt his heart. And I think it's important. Why? Because a lot of times words have hurt our hearts. Now, church, let's put it in perspective, okay? If someone that you don't care about or you don't know or, or somebody that, that criticizes you and you go, okay, I don't, I don't really, okay, that's not going to hurt your feelings. But when it's somebody that you love and you trust and it's family and it's, it's that and, 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 and it's somebody you care about and they, they hurt your feelings, it's, it goes in deep. Now, these are David's enemies. Let's get that straight. Okay? Sometimes, sometimes somebody you love does say something that's hurtful to you and, okay, you have to forgive and you move on. That's one thing. But when your enemies come and they want to hurt you, hmm, what should we do? What should we do? Well, tonight, guys, we're going to look at David, and we're going to pray, and we're going to ask God to bless our time together. Now, if you're taking notes, it's broken down like this, okay? Let me give you four sections. In verses 1 to 3, we're going to see David request an audience with God, and that's important, okay? You said, yeah, Ben, you said that a couple of times, but it's really, really, because he's going to ask for his attention. He's going to, he's going to request an audience with God, okay? In verses 4 to 6, David's going to speak to God. And he's going to contrast the wicked with the godly between verses 7 and 10. Okay? And then he's going to ask him to guide him unto righteousness. And then in verses 11 and 12, I love David rejoices in God's protection and blessing. So let's crawl up in his lap. Let's see what he has. Look at with me Psalm 5, verses 1 through 3. Notice what David says. He says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto you will I pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning will I direct, direct it to you, and I will look up. This is the very first. Now, here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to take note. First thing we notice is David is longing for an audience with God. He's longing for an audience with God. That's what he does. And so the first thing that pricks my heart, church, 
is how many times do I long for an audience with God? You see, in my devotional times, there are times when I'll just get through it. Because I got to move on to the next thing. Because you understand, I got this happening, I got this happening, this happening. David says, no, 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 no. Listen, he's God. And I'm longing. And, and the word that comes to mind, guys, is the fact that as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. And that's the whole point. Are we longing for an audience with God? I've got to, I've got to confess to you. I've got to repent, but there are times in my life that I don't long for that audience with God. Wait, Pastor, you're in the ministry. David says, this is what I want. And then what I love is, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, what I love is that he repeats himself three times as the Hebrew custom. You go, what is it? Well, notice, the first thing he says is, give ear to my word. Listen, God, hear me. The second thing, consider my meditation. And then the third thing he says, give heed to my voice. Here's what you need to know. David is crying out to God. He's crying out to God. He's longing for his Savior. Now, if you're taking note, I want to just bless you guys because the one thing that keeps coming to mind is do we love God so much that we just that desire that audience of one? Do we love God? Let me tell you a little story. I text my wife today, and I told her that I miss her. And you go, well, that's nice. That's very sweet of you. No, 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 you don't understand. When we were both down and out for a little while, we spent a lot of time together. And we, didn't, we spent a lot of time doing nothing, okay? We pulled up the blanket. We'd sit there. I mean, we were both sick, but we were together. And that was day after day after day after day after day after day. And you guys understand the whole point. And then we get better. We get a lot better. So we're off. She's back to work. And I'm off to do it. And I, I miss her. I mean, inside, you understand. I miss her. I wonder if it's the same with God. You know, because the thing about it is that when you think about this, he's going, God, I long for an audience. I miss you when we're not together. I miss you when, when, when I'm not fully in your presence. I miss you when I just go through the motions of Christianity. I miss you, God. Because what will happen is we'll get so busy, Nathalie will go her way, I'll go my way, and we'll meet each other, and hey, how's it going? You doing all right? Doing good? Okay. And we try to go on a date night once once a week, but sometimes our date night ends up, we're just eating, and we catch up, and then we go, and, and, and we, we're, not, we're not spending that time together, and I wonder if it's the same. God's kind of show. He goes, look, Ben, I miss you when we're busy. When you're busy. 
Oh, Lord, I'm busy, but I'm doing work for you. No, 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 Ben, you were a Christian before you were a pastor. I miss you. And he reminds me of the times when I first got saved, when every teaching I would blow me away, and I remember listening, and I would laugh, and it would be great, and then I'd be serious, and and, and then I'd have my Bible, and I would read it, and, and when I first got saved, guys, I'd take my Bible, and I'd put it under my pillow because I wanted the Word of God so close to me. what David says. That's what David says. David is crying out to God. For he writes, notice, for unto you will I pray. Why? Now this is super important. You got to jot this down, okay? This is super important. David writes, for unto you. Why? What's the point? He says, for you, for you. Let's, let's read it again, okay? For to you, He's talking to God. If you have a new King James, it's capitalized. I will pray. I will pray. You go, Pastor, what's the point? Here it is. David's prayer is a focused prayer. It's focused prayer. What's his focus? His focus is on God. Now, Ben, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's Captain Obvious. No, it's not Captain Obvious, and I'll tell you why. Here's what I mean, that his, his, his heart was focused on God. When we come to pray... A lot of our times, our focus is on us. We come with our requests. We come with our problems. We come with our everything. Okay, we're going to pray me. Oh, God, pray for me. And we let out everything. But David says, no, 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 no. I understand you have requests, but you need to be focused on God. David says, I need to focus. Put your focus. That's the thing. That's, that's. I get it. I We have problems. I get it. We have requests. We have supplications. But David says, no, no, no. Here, here's the deal. I'm going to pray, and I want an audience with God. David reminds us that the central focus is on God. Come on, somebody. Not ourselves. Come on, someone. Your focus needs to be on God. We should have God-centered prayer. You go, but that's great, Ben. But I still have I still have prayer requests. I want to pray for my family, and I want to pray for my friend, and I want to pray for these people to get saved and these people to get healed. Amen. We should too. But the problem is, is that we run into prayer so much, and we spit out all our requests, and then we're gone. How'd you pray? I just prayed. I prayed. I prayed. Amen. Now, that's one way of praying, but let me tell you. Come on, somebody, you got to help me out here. How about another way of praying is we get to pray. Okay, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. We're going to pray. Rosa, we're praying. We're praying. We're praying. We're praying. And we get, okay, God, I come before you in Jesus' name. And I forgot to do that. Okay, okay, God, sorry, sorry, Lord. God, I come before you, and we're just praying, and I want to lift up Rosa, and, and I want to lift up Jim, and I wonder if Jim ever got that car fixed. Yeah, but Lord, I'm just, and our minds just, and then, and then we just give up. We're just like, okay, well, that's my prayer. And then you have a bro say, hit me up, I need your prayer, and we're like, oh, yeah, and, and uh, pray for Alex, amen. And guys, we do that. But I love that David says, no, 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 first thing about prayer is it needs to be focused on who? On God. That's prayer. 
Another thing we see, I don't know if you saw this, guys. Another thing we see is David makes it a point to honor God first thing in the morning. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a morning person, right? We have morning people, okay? We have morning people, good morning, and you're like, 5.30, good morning, and and then you have other people like, don't even talk to me until I have a cup of coffee first. David says, "Uh, it's okay, because he says, oh, Lord, in the morning, in the morning. So here's my point. Whatever time you start your day, if you're a riser at 4 in the morning or 3 in the morning or 5 in the morning or 8 or 10, here's what he's saying. He's saying, make sure that you honor God first. Make sure that you honor God first. There was a time in my life when the very first thing I got up was get my coffee and turn on the news. Wanted to see if the world was still spinning. And I was convicted because it was like, okay, so you're spending the time and, and, and you're putting in all this first when he reminded me that we need to spend and honor time with him first. God, you are first. You are first. I love the example of Hudson Taylor, great missionary. You know, Hudson Taylor got so busy in the mission field that he did this. It was such an amazing thing that he set his, his, his alarm clock to get up at 2.30 in the morning so that he would be alone with God without distraction. 2.30 in the morning. And when I read that, I was both touched and convicted because here's what I see. I see a big, giant love for God. Why would you get up at 2.30 in the morning because you're so busy through the day that you need to spend time with God? Well, it's because I love God. It's because I love him. That's Hudson Taylor. But, but more importantly, we have another beautiful example, the example of Jesus, right? Jesus, throughout Scripture, often rose early in the morning to pray, right? Mark chapter 1, verse 35, jot this down in your Bible. It says, now... In the morning, having risen along before the daylight, Jesus went out, departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Jesus, being fully God, fully man, got it up, gave us a great example how we should pray. He honored God first thing in the morning. He honored God. You go, well, Ben, what, what's the idea? You ready? Jot this down. The idea is... As the day begins, seek God and honor him first. Honor him first. So David is, is just, he's just desiring an audience of one. And in verse 3, he says, my voice you shall hear in the morning. Everybody goes, amen. So you're all going to get up tomorrow morning bright and early. Amen. The one person that's a morning person says, Amen. In the morning, he says, well, I direct it to you, and we'll look up. Now, you guys see verse 3? You guys see verse 3 in your Bibles? There are two things that we should always do before we pray. Two things. You go, what are they? Number one, notice, he says, in the morning, I will direct it to you. Direct it. It being prayer. What's he directing? 
Well, if you have a pencil handy, what's he saying is that, is that the word direct, he's making a conscious effort to direct your prayers to God. That's the first thing you should do. You go, but Ben, what does it mean? You ready? It means to arrange, to order, to list. That's what he's talking about. He's making a conscious effort in his prayer life so he doesn't just come randomly and get sidetracked. I'm arranging my prayers. I have a prayer journal. I have a list. I have it right in front of me because I want to stay focused and I want to come and direct it to you. What great wisdom. Why? Because sometimes we get scatterbrained. The phone rings. The kids are up. And we're just like, oh, where was I praying? Oh, yeah, I was supposed to pray for Alex. I was supposed to pray for Amanda. Oh, I forgot. Oh, okay, let me. But if you have it listed, if you have it arranged, there you are. There you go, Lord. There you go. And a great place to have a prayer journal or a prayer list is in your Bible. As you're dialoguing with God. Oh, there it is. There it is. Well, Ben, I don't know. Let me lend you, let me, let me, um, mm, 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 this is good, this is good. Let me uh, let you in on a little secret that will help you. No, it won't help you. I'm just kidding. It won't help you. Because in my brain, I thought, well, we could put the prayer list on our phone. And that way, because you always have your phone, you don't go anywhere without your phone. So you have your phone and you can always, wait a minute, but, but I'm a little bit sidetracked on my phone, am I not? Hold on, I'm looking at my prayer list. And next thing you know, your prayer list looks a lot like Facebook. Your prayer list looks a lot like Instagram. You you understand, we get side, Pinterest. Oh, look at that pretty table. That's so pretty. Oh, Christmas is coming. This is going to be, well, you're supposed to be praying. Oh, sorry. Let me go back. Use, ah, oh, use a tablet. Just, just write down. It's okay. It's okay. Well, Ben, sometimes in my prayer, I, I, I do have, I'm, I'm a little scatterbrained. How do I arrange this? Well, let me just encourage you. Number one, get a prayer journal. Get a prayer journal. Okay? Somebody says pray for them, write them in your prayer journal right away. And, and, and write them down. But also, too, you might want to use this. Let me, just, let me just throw this out there for you. You might want to use the ACTS method to pray. The ACTS method, yeah, A-C-T-S, the ACTS which was the first, the first one, A, is adoration. You come with adoration. You come adoring God. This is A. You put that, okay, I'm going to do that. Oh, Lord, we adore you. We honor you. We give you grace. I mean, you just adore God. The second thing is C, confession. That's when you make your confession. Lord, forgive me. I was, uh, whatever it might be, my attitude, blah, 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 forgive me. This is C, confession. The T is thanksgiving. Offer the Lord thanksgiving. Have an attitude of gratitude. How amazing is that? That we should really be people that thank the Lord for everything. Thank the Lord. And then S. S would be supplication. So you have adoration, confession, Thanksgiving, and then you can ask the Lord, here, Lord, this is who I'm praying for. I'm praying for so-and-so. I'm praying for healing. I thank you. We pray for Pastor Fred in the hospital right now. In the name of Jesus, COVID, you've got to go. Lord, we're praying for all the families. 
who lost loved ones in a very difficult season anyway. But see, we've already adored God. We've already confessed to him. We've already gave him thanks. And what a great way. Now you go, man, I like that. That's cool. But what my point is, is what David says. It's a, it's a what? It's a conscious effort to direct prayer to God. That's what he's saying. That's the first thing. You go, what's the second thing? It's the after prayer. What do you mean? David says, and I will look up. What does that mean? Guys, do we pray with expectance? Do we pray that God is going to answer? Do we expect God to answer? Come on. I would say a resounding no. Just me? Honestly? That's what, that's what really that trips me out about my prayer life is I want to expect God to, Lord, I, David says, I'll look up. You're going to do this. You're going to answer. But me compared to David, there are times where I'm like, God, here's my prayer. <laughs> I hope you do it. Eve, I don't think he's going to do it. I don't, I don't know. So if I don't know, maybe you should pray with me. Maybe, maybe God, you hear soul's prayers better. And we doubt. And then when God doesn't answer that prayer, that or how we think, what do we do? Come on, church, what do we do? Well, okay, well, it was, it was I didn't think he was going to do it anyway. It was, I was kind of hoping, I was rolling the dice. That's not God. David says, expect God to answer. Expect God to answer. God, here's my prayer. I've worshipped you. I've glorified you. Here's my confession. You know, Lord, I'm not worthy. I know who you are. And um, I expect God to answer. So David, David longs. Everybody say longs. For, a, for the presence of God. For an audience with God. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question, then we'll move on, Okay. Next week, next Wednesday night, we're going to have an old-fashioned prayer meeting. We're going to gather together. We're just going to pray. If Jesus were to walk in here and sit down at our prayer meeting and you got to ask him for anything, how different would your prayer life be? See, we would come in and we'd be like, okay, so hey, how you doing, Mike? Good. good. And we just get together and we, we're, we're praying. Okay, so we're going to pray and here's the list and, and just pray how God leads you. But if Jesus was here and you had an audience of one, there's the Lord. Hey, what, what can I do for you? Wow. I want you to take a minute. Think about that. How would you pray if the Lord Jesus was in this room? Would you pray? I mean, you know he's going to do this. I mean, just the doors didn't even open. He just walked in the room in his glorified body. There he is. Hey, Lord, how you doing? First of all, we're flat on our face because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We are sinners. I mean, we feel like Isaiah. Oh, my goodness. And he says, no, no, no. Get up. Sit down right there, Ben. So what, what, can, I, what, what can I do? How can I answer your prayer? What do you, what do you want? Oh. Oh, moving on in verses four to six, David's going to contrast the wicked versus the godly. Look at verse four. He says, 
For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful men. This is the word of God. Now, if you're a note taker, here's what I want you to write down. David here recognizes who God is. He recognizes, God, this is who you are. Nowhere do we read the Lord going, no, 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 you got it wrong. He's going, okay, okay. God is not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. God is not a God who dwells, right? Evil shall dwell within you. There is no darkness in him. Do not make God like evil men. Oh, I hope God does it. Well, he's going to sit out there and go, God, no. Look, I'm going to make Mike Shaw suffer more, whatever it might be. That's not God. And we think he's that way at times. And we think that he's a God who, who acts like a man. Well, see what you did. Well, I'm paying you back. And da, 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 da. And that's not God at all. God doesn't take any pleasure in any of this. Nor does he take pleasure in the death of even wicked people. He doesn't want to see people go to hell. And he sits there and David says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, this is who God is. This is who God is. Can I ask you a question, church? I think it's a very good, very good question to contemplate and to think over the week. Who is God to you? Do you I, mean, I mean, do you recognize who God is in your life? He's contrasting the wicked here. But I wonder if we were to say, who is God in my life? Who is God in my life? Oh, he's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's my breath. He's, we sing songs about him, guys. Now, let me say this. Notice what David says. Read it again. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. Okay, amen. You shall not nor shall evil dwell within you. The boastful, mm, they're not going to stand in your sight. You hate all the workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. Don't tell lies. And the Lord abhors the bloodthirsty. Now, here's what I want you to grasp. You ready? And this is true. You ready? The closer we grow to God, the more we become aware of his holiness. And the more we, be, the more aware we become of our own sinfulness. You see, it's quite the opposite. Some people say, I'm growing up to God and I'm getting closer with God. Woo! Woo! And we get excited. The closer you get to God, the more you actually realize, oh, what a sinful person I am. How holy and great you are. That's what David is saying. David isn't going, well, look at me, I've, I've been, I'm a king. And he's going, oh, Lord, this is who, this is who you hate. Is it not true? The closer you walk with God, the more your sin is revealed. And some of the stuff several years ago, you didn't even realize, you didn't even recognize it was sin. But now that you're, ooh, oh, 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 Lord, forgive me. Wow. Wow. Church, let's be careful because when a, a loving brother or sister points out some of our some of our 
We don't go, oh, I can't, can't believe you. Well, what about you? We go, wow, am I, am I? Am I selfish? Am I self-centered? Is that, do you see that in me? And so what does he do? He's going to contrast that with the godly. Look at verse 7. But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I will worship towards your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteous, because my enemies make your way straight before my faith. Now, this is amazing. Why? Because David says, but for me, but for me. This is, the, this is who you are, God. This is what you do, but for me. And I love the confidence David has, but he doesn't have confidence in himself. His confidence is in the mercy of God. That's where our confidence comes. Notice what he says, in the multitude of God's mercy. And isn't that what we need? In the multitude of God's mercy, this is where my confidence comes. And he says, in fear, help me, church, I will worship you in fear. David knows who he is in Christ. He knows, and he knows, oh, you know where my confidence lies, brother? It's in the mercy of God. It's in the mercy of God. And in fear, I will worship. Okay? That's not, I will be afraid of God. I'm going to worship because I'm afraid of God. I'm afraid he's going to strike me dead. It's, you are so awe and amazing that we will worship you. Why is that important? Because this is why we don't take God's name in vain. This is why we don't use it flippantly. This is why when we say, praise the Lord. Oh, hey, brother, you got a real, praise the Lord. No, no, no. Praise the Lord should be something that we actually praise the Lord. Be careful not to use God's name in vain without the proper reverence because when we worship God, when we worship God, there is that awe and reverence of who he is. There is no one in the world that deserves our worship but a loving king who reconciled us back to him. That's where worship should be. It's called worship. We're coming back. And I love verse 8. Look at verse 8 again. Verse 8 says, Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face. Here's what I love. David understands the power of prayer. Why? Because here he asks for God to do something. What does he ask him to do? He says, David says, Lead me. Lead me, O Lord. Guide me through the day. Guide me. Guide my thoughts. Guide my conversation. When people call, Lord, lead me. I need you, God. You have a choice tomorrow morning. When you get up, you can lead yourself or the Lord can lead you. David says, Lord, I don't want to do this. You lead me. You lead me. Watch what he'll do. Watch what he'll do. I wonder how many divine appointments we have missed because, God, we weren't allowing him to lead us. I wonder how many people we were supposed to speak to, minister to, witness to, share. We weren't sensitive to the Spirit, and so we just moved on. Okay, I'll just do me. And David says, no, 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 here's my prayer. Here's my prayer. Oh, Lord, lead me. Lead me. Guide me. Take control. I'm yours. 
mirrors. This is the prayer we should pray. How? Focused on God, worshiping in His presence, calling out for mercy, asking for guidance for Him to lead us. That should be the prayer. So we see a contrast between the wicked and the godly. David said, as for me, as for me. We are godly only because we're found in Christ. Godliness comes from a life devoted to God. Now, put on your thinking caps, okay? Because here in verses um, 5 through 10, I mean, as we go through, um, we're going to see an attack from the enemy, okay? We're going to see an attack from the enemy. The enemy actually uses flattering words, but they're, they're a deception. Notice what he says in verse 9. He says, the enemy says, for there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is destruction. Well, this is what David says. Their faithfulness, this is the enemy. Their throat is an open tomb. Notice what they do. They flatter with their tongues. Pronounce them guilty, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against you. Okay, think about this. Think about this. This is a blatant attack of the enemy on David. You understand, okay? The enemies can't speak a truthful word, right? So whatever they're saying about David is false. Ever happened to you? Ever happened when you've been falsely accused of something or they've said false lies about you or you did this or you did Of course, he says, and my enemies, they can't speak a truthful word. And their deepest desire is to destroy others. Their talk, it's foul. Like, like the stench, he says, of an open grave. Their tongues, well, they're filthy with flattery. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the enemy trying to flatter? Oh, wow, well, you're so great. You're so wonderful. Wow. And he's like, no, 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 no. They're, they're filled with flattery. But I want to show you something that I find very interesting. You ready? An attack of the enemy does something good. What? Think about it. It drove David into the arms of God in prayer. You see that? It, it, it drive, Guys, the attack of the enemy does something good. When the enemy comes and attacks you, when there's an attack on your marriage, when there's an attack on your character, when words are hurting, what does it do? It does something good. It drives us closer to God in prayer. Lord, my the enemies are... Lord. And it drives us toward God. And here's what I'm here's what I'm telling you. If you if you're here tonight and you've been attacked or you feel attacked, I would tell you turn it on its head and draw closer to God and depend on God. Oh my goodness, every time I go after them, they're just praying. Exactly. I try to hit him with sickness, they're praying. I try to hurt him with words, she's praying. That's what he's talking about. Turn it on its head and it drives you closer into the heart of God. That's what he's talking about. And I love verse 10. Why? He says, pronounce them guilty. God, you pronounce them guilty. 
Give them, give them what? Give them their, their, the end they deserve. And I love that David calls out to God for pronouncement, not us. David doesn't go, well, there, there, this and there, that. He goes, God, you call it. You're righteous, you see. You see. Notice he says in verse 11, but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Can I get an amen? amen. Let, everyone, let, let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those who love your name be joyful in you, for you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor, you will surround them as with a shield. Now, here's what David does. You ready? Last two verses, David rejoices in the protection of blessings of God. What does he say? Well, let's break it down real quick, okay? He says, but let all those who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing the praises, uh, the joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them, that all who love your name may be filled with joy. Why? He says, here it is. For you bless the godly, O Lord. You surround them with the shield of love. So before we look to see where Jesus is in Psalm 5, let's break this down. You ready? Number one, here's what he says. Take refuge in Jesus tonight and rejoice. What is the word rejoice? He says, be happy. Be happy as you put your trust in the Lord. You ready? Ready? Here's my challenge. Be happy tomorrow. You are supposed to be exactly where you are right now. The Lord is sovereign. Be happy. Number two, sing and worship God forever. Sing and worship God forever. Right? And number three, let's ask the Lord to guard over the celebration of our lives. You go, Ben, what do you mean? Our lives are a celebration of who God is. That's the whole term, being born again. Can you imagine being born again and walking around like Eeyore? How you doing? Good. What happened? Got born again. Are you happy? No. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, well, that's how most, I mean, no, it's a celebration. Are you kidding me? This is what God did. <laughs> he loves me. And soon and very soon, I'm going to see the king. Yeah, but, but God, you need to protect me. Stand guard over that. Because the enemy wants to rob me of that joy. He wants to rob me of my celebration of life. He wants to come in and say, hey, are you even born again? Are you really even saved? God, stand over me. Now, very quickly as we close, very quickly as we close, where's Jesus, Joe, in the Psalms? Where's Jesus? Let me give him to you. Verse 2, give heed to my voice of my cry, my king and my God. Jesus was both king and God. We see him in Psalm 2. I mean, Psalm, verse 2 of Psalm 5. Number 2, where's Jesus? Verse 3, my voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning will I direct it to you. Guess what? Jesus reminds us that he sought the Lord early in the morning. Great example. We see Jesus. And, not but not least, we see Jesus in verse 12. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With the favor, you will surround them with the shield. Ready? Jesus is the promised blessing to the righteous. So, Ben, question. What's the remedy of words that hurt? What's the remedy? Long for an audience with God. 
long for an audience with God. So let's pray. Let's take a moment, guys. We have about eight minutes. Let's pray. Now let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for your great love. We thank you, God, that you are in control of all things, and Lord, we bless you. Fathers, we gather in worship, Lord. We have, we have eight minutes, and we just want to gather and pray. Your eyes are closed and your hearts are open to the Lord. Let's, let's cry out here for a moment to long for an audience with God. We have a lot of petitions. We have a lot of requests. But why don't we just cry and say, God, where are you? Where are you, Lord? Where are you in my life? I want more of you in my life. I need you, Lord. Come and fill me like never before. If you're watching online, try not to be distracted. Just just get alone with God and just, just pray. Just pray. As um, the worship team leads us, now, now listen to this song. This song is actually from Psalm 5. It's a beautiful song. But if you need prayer... Come up front. Come with me. We'll just pray together. We'll just pray. We'll just pray. We'll just pray as we worship. If you need to just pray alone, if you want to take communion, whatever you want to do, it's between you and the Lord. So let's do that right now. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.